Hello, how are you? Jonesy's Jukebox, live from the Viper Room. And uh, we're here with my guest, Daryl Hammond. How do you do, sir? Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. How you doing? I'm okay-ish. How you doing? Pretty well for a man of my age and habits. How old are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely past the number into the adjectives. What's that mean? This means after 35, who gives a fuck? Oh, oh Jesus, he's Wait, one of them oh. guys. Oh, sorry. After that, who cares? <laughs> sorry, you guys. So you're, uh, so you're, uh, 50? Aroundish. 60? No. I'm 64. Oh, really? Yeah. What? You look good, brother. Why do you think people don't, when they get old, don't like saying their age? I don't know. I don't know. It's the same thing feeling bad about being, having mental illness or having, you know, have to take a lot of meds or you've struggled mentally. Why is, why do we try to hide that? I don't know. <laughs> you got me, bro. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> my socks don't match today and that's like the third or fourth time this month. So I, I, I'm not that keen on a lot of stuff. Well, it looks like you've got uh, your Valentine shoes on. Yeah, they're kind of Valentine-y, aren't they? I'm, I put this on because of Valentine. Nice. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I celebrate it. I don't have an old lady, do you? Do yes. you have a missus? I have a significant other. Yeah. Do you have to uh, get them a present? In a way. <laughs> <laughs> It's live, you know, they're listening. I know. I understand that people are listening. Do you think it's a racket? What, Valentine's Day? Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure people have used it to make money before, don't you? I mean, it's just like Christmas. It's another racket, isn't it? Yeah, I feel that way about Christmas, too. You know what I think what a waste is? Is all them trees get cut down, they're used for a week, and then they're just... Why do you discarded. hate Christmas? I, I, I kind of hate it too. I do hate it. I think a lot of people do. I do. It's weird, and I don't know why, but it, I feel uncomfortable the whole time. That's because I don't have that family that, you know, I don't have a family. It's real hard. It's hard. Everyone has a family, you know, and it's hard on those of us who don't. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I'm familyless. Yeah, me too. Why are you familyless? Um, because they're... Did you leave at an early uh, age? No, did you? Yeah, I left when I was 14. Wow, that's deep. I had a horrible stepfather. Well, I wrote a book about it called God... I can't say the title, but... Uh-oh. I, I did write a book about it, but like my family, my mother and father happened to be dead, but even if they were alive, I... <clears throat> you know, the last, say, 10 or 15 years of their life, we didn't have Christmas because I didn't communicate with them. You were just being a rebel then. No, just don't want to deal with people that that did the things they did and yeah. don't want to own up to it. Yeah, it's a common thread, isn't it? I don't, I, I don't like being expected to behave as if they were good. Right. I don't want to send my mom a Mother's Day card. Hey, mom, I'm in another detox. Nice going. Yeah. <laughs> good work. Nice work. 
Yeah. Good going, Ma. Yeah. I'm in another fuck. I'm in another like lockdown psych. He was gonna do it again. I'm in another lockdown psych ward, Ma. Nice work. I wrote a book about it, as a matter of fact. And what is that book called? You can't it's say called, it. It's but... called God. If you're not up there, I'm bleeped. I'm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was in jail in the Caribbean, and I didn't. This know is any... a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know any prayers or anything. Um, and I said, God. Listen, if you're not up there, I'm in so much trouble because I didn't know what else to do. You know, you, I don't know if you've ever been in jail, but especially down there, it's that really weird feeling that that you're not getting out of this. That there's not a lawyer that can help you. There's not a a person that can help you, and you're so desperate. You're sitting there in your cell, and you just go, "Listen, I know I never went to church, you know, but let's say if you're the one that hung the planets in the air. Could you do me a you help me out a little bit, because I yeah. need help. Otherwise, and, I'm in trouble. And did you get help? Well, I only spent three days in solitary, and then they took me to a trial, and then um, fined me uh, $2,500 cash American. My father had been called over the weekend and instructed to come down with the money, just in case. They said I had a 50-50 chance. And one judge would put me in jail for two years. The other one might just want some money. So we got the ladder. <clears throat> just it was just possession of a controlled substance. You just had a bit of blow or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got off the ship and um, in Freeport, and we were drinking golden rum and um, <clears throat> lots of it. And then I used the bathroom, and I, a man came in my cell and offered me a sample to take back to the ship. I took it. I went back downstairs and was arrested at the foot of the stairs. So you were set up. Yes. His brother was probably the cop. Well, it's interesting because at the trial, the guy that gave me the the drugs was in the was the judge. <laughs> That's how did you know? Yeah, he he was the one with the gavel that day. <laughs> he was actually in the booth next to me, and um, you know, the funniest thing was they sent they charged me twenty five hundred dollars cash American, and then the the bailiff says, "Your Honor, what about him?" And the judge is like. What are you nuts? <laughs> Charges are dropped. You crazy? Get out of here. Yeah, we got the money. That's great. I got a similar story in Thailand. I was there. I was there to uh, detox off a of heroin in a, pl- a facility, or no? I just went out there from London with a, a a a girl who was like royalty there, like she really was part of the royalty, and she lived in London, and I was hanging out with her. And I was strung out. And she goes, let's go to Thailand and uh, detox you. I mean, it sounds ludicrous. No. But I went there with her. I mean, I mean, Thailand, you're detoxing from heroin? Yeah. I, I detoxed from opiates. I don't know if that's a similar detox or not, but it didn't matter where I detoxed from. From what I was on, it stuff sucked. It's going to suck. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, no matter, even at Betty Ford, it sucked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was doing it with no, with no, medical help but you're a stronger man than me but the same thing happened this guy come up to me in bangkok bought some tire stick off him two minutes later his brother arrested me and i didn't even go to court just give him like three grand to get out of it did you get were you in a jail cell a holding cell it it was like a, a jail cell but it looked like the uh cell was made out of cardboard it was like a weird wow a weird. <laughs> like they just made it when they arrested yeah, you. Exactly. Like, All right, go quick, ahead. Quick. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, go, go, go make this. Go, go. go back there. Put it with the cardboard. It's fine. Now just put something up. Don't keep going. I'm not kidding. Oh, that's it. We're going to play another song. Okay. And uh, I've got the little theme, a few Saturdays. Obviously, Saturday night's all right for fighting. And now we're going to play David Bowie driving Saturday. We're here with Daryl Hammond. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox, live from the Viper Room. Take it away. Who? Um, Jones. Yes, sir. Yes. Hello. Jones's jukebox, KLOS, with my guest Daryl Hammond. How are you again? Um, pretty good. I was wondering what you were thinking when we were playing them two songs. You looked like you was bored out. I was texting people who would be really excited that I was at the Viper Room. So I I took pictures and sent pictures to three people. Are they people in LA? No, but people, one person used to live here, but, you know, the, everyone knows the Viper Room. They will now. After those three texts. I'm selling you. So you've got a, pod, you got a podcast now, Daryl Hammond Saves the World. Yes, sir. And uh, we went through a couple of titles. One was Daryl Hammond Couldn't Possibly Save the World. Daryl Hammond's Not Saving the World. Daryl Hammond's Ruining the World. And then we settle on that one. Yeah. I think the other one was better. Which one do you like better? Daryl Hammond is the world. Ooh. Ooh. Call the lawyers, Louie. Quick. Quick, make some changes. Yes, sir. Um, you're doing it live tomorrow at the Improv? Yes. 7 o'clock? Yes. P.M. And Monday at the Improv at 10 p.m. Yeah. A live oh, podcast. What are we doing, 10 p.m.? That's what it says here. Okay. I didn't write it. I'm just a messenger. Thanks. I'm finally, I'm glad I finally got the message. Yeah. So, um, how long have you actually, you still do Saturday Night Live? Sometimes. Well, I'm the staff announcer over there, and I do a lot of voiceovers for NBC and, and Saturday Night Oh, you Night do? Live. I do. And occasionally appear on camera. Not so much anymore, but I've been working there for about 25 years or so. Sometimes a little. Sometimes a lot, you know. Are you are you the longest? I'm the longest. Con- I know Keenan Thompson has now broke my record. My record was 14 years. Before that was Kevin Neal was 11. Phil Hartman was 10 or something like that. But um, um, yeah, been there for a little while, off and on for 25 years. So you do you live in New York? I live here as much as I can. But I go back there a lot to record with the orchestra. Is it still at the same place? Uh, 30 Rock Photo Center? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I went in on, there, on there once with Fred Armiston. Okay. He invited Great. me on there. It was, it was cool. I'd never been there before. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, it's a madhouse, isn't it? Because it's live. It's like a match. You know, scripts seem to, uh, skits change. They're not happening. Everything is written in disappearing ink. Yeah, um, things get canceled for the most bizarre reasons because it's a live show. Yeah, and yeah, it's like a—I don't know basketball that well, but they have something called a fast break, I think, and it's something like everyone in the court runs real fast down the court. Yeah, that's the typical scene there at SNL. So was you first on there as a comedian then? Yeah, I used to play parts on the show, and you do uh, in, in, in impersonations is. 
Some, yeah. Where'd you learn to do impersonations? My mom could talk like other people. She used to impersonate coaches and the neighbors and stuff like oh, that. Okay. And I just sort of, we started out by doing um, a Christmas carol together when I was seven years old. We played all the parts and we used to do that from time to time. Yeah. What do you think the key is to impersonations? Because, like, Jim Carrey's pretty good. It's great. I think, is it all about, like, the little details of impersonating? Because a well, lot of people, when you say imitate someone, and they do what they think it is, and it's nothing like Yeah, what it and is. it's funny because if you really look at great impressions that, that are funny, I think funny was the key because when I went to SNL, I was duplicating people, and Lorne Michaels said, you're not funny, though. So you need to turn them into characters, like cartoons. It's still that person, but it's... um. It's funny, yeah. You know? So, um, like my first show, I did a uh, Ted Koppel, and everyone said, "Wow, what a great impression! How unfunny!" Because I I didn't know what I, I, I Lauren was like. This is a comedy show. <laughs> we do jokes on this show. Yeah. So from now on, whenever you do an impression, um, learn it. And then exaggerate it. Like, exaggerate the hell out of it. Yeah. And you'll know when to pull back when the audience um, uh, stops laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When your jokes aren't working anymore, like, okay, you're, you've gone too far, so move it back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But you didn't, you you did get Ted Koppel down, though. I think so. I, that, I, was a, that was a regular one, right? Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel. I did a lot of Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel was very similar to Phil Donahue at that time, and so... I was already doing Phil Donahue, so they asked me about Koppel, and it was just a little shift in my throat um, to go to, to Koppel. Yeah, weird talent. Oh, yeah, well, to, well, Phil Donahue would be like, um, <clears throat> you're a blue-collar guy. You're married 20 years to the same woman. How many times can you eat lasagna? <laughs> so if you want to do Ted Koppel, yeah. you just tuck it in the back of your throat and go, Ted Koppel... ABC News, <laughs> see my hiney, big and shiny, makes you giggle to see it wiggle. <laughs> Not bad. Thank you. Thank That's you. good. Yeah. Um, Who do you reckon your big one is, Clinton? I guess it would have to be Clinton, yeah. I mean, that's the most famous one I did Trump for a while and got a lot, um, got a lot, had a good run with that for about a year. But I mean, Clinton is, is so much larger than life. Although Trump's getting up there. Yeah. There's no one like him. Well, uh, didn't a uh, thingy do a Trump for a while or I need a new guy who does Trump. Um, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. He does that now. Did you do any, you did another president. You did a uh, but No, not Bush. Um, did you do uh I did Bush for one show and there was a real problem because the network specifically Will Farrell had done brilliant uh, Leas Bush and the network wanted me to do his Bush wanted me to impersonate in other words steal his work yeah but they were adamant about it so I go out there and I'm trying to do this damn thing I remember Kelly Ripper was working uh, hosting that night and I'm trying to do it, and it made me sick to my stomach, and I couldn't do anything, and I didn't do Bush. I didn't do his Bush, and I just said afterwards, 
I can't like rip him off. Yeah. I sat next to him for four years while he created that character. I'm gonna yeah. go out there and rip him off. Didn't didn't Carvey do a good bush? Carvey did the dad, and yeah, that was oh amazing. Mr. Yeah. Bush. Yeah. We're gonna play um we're gonna play a Nazareth. You ever heard it? Are you into music? I'm into some music. I'm uh, there are a lot of gaps in my knowledge. You know, I had quite a few years uh, um, under the weather. What was the last cassette player you bought? What? What was the last cassette player you bought? That was a joke. Okay, cassette player. Um, what's the last bit of music? Do you buy music like to listen to? Not anymore. I used to. I used to. I like. I liked musicals a lot. Musicals. I liked Howling Wolf. My favorite. I guess the one I still listen to is. John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, yeah. blues from Laurel Canyon. I still listen to that one, yeah, a lot. So you're a blues guy. You like blues. I liked him a lot, and I liked I liked Howling Wolf a lot. And yeah, I like Muddy Waters a lot. I love the Stones more than anything. That's your bag. I think so. I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of the I Stones. I mean, I, I saw them live when I when Mick was 47, and I I I modeled myself after. After Mick. the intensity that he brought to the part. Like he was singing Start Me Up, but it sounded like he didn't know the words before. He was just discovering this thing. And he was singing it like, if this doesn't happen, I can't, I won't be alive. I mean, it was such intensity. And so I, afterwards I figured no matter what I did, even when I felt bad, I was going to try to put put out that much yeah because you do as a stand-up you do a million sets at one o'clock in the morning man and you're and you know you're tired yeah you know your fifth or sixth set that night yeah yeah you get tired how long does the set last though 15 to 20 usually when you're doing club work yeah um when you're on the road you know you do one hour sets yeah do you think most uh comedians are depressives yes yeah, it seems it seems that way. It, uh, there's a few that I call healthy geniuses. You know, people I know are geniuses who don't really have bad habits like like I have had and many people like me. Yeah, we're all damaged goods, baby. Let's play Nazareth. This is a track called "Love Hurts." This is for all the um, Valentinos. Take it away. <laughs> We're here with my guest, Daryl Hammond. How are you? Pretty good, sir. How are you? Not bad. Did you know that last song? Yes. Who was it? Elvis Costello. What's it called? Radio? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a funny story. There's a little funny story to go with that one. I I mean, I don't know why I do this, but I just associate you with Saturday Night Live. I know you've done a lot of other things. But was you there when Elvis Costello, I don't know if you remember, it's like around 78. The Sex Pistols was meant to be doing that show, right? But we couldn't leave England because we had criminal records and they wouldn't give us a visa. So Elvis Costello (laughs) filled in for us. And he was meant to do this song, Alison, and after four seconds he decided to do... Radio, radio. He did that Jimi Hendrix thing, you know, where he was on a show and he was going to play one song and he went into, I don't know. But that was the, that's my little story. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't there for that one, but I remember being in the city and my friends were just freaking out that he was even in town, Elvis Costello. Um, so he 
his presence created quite a stir. Not as much as this, the, the Sex Pistols would have, because the, they, people in New York City love that 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 wicked, dark, gritty, you know. Well, it was very dirty back then, New York. It was a it was a thing back then, it New York. It really was. Alphabet City. Yeah. Did you ever go down there? I let's see. I I I've been in Alphabet City, but I didn't spend a lot. I did go to one room in Alphabet City that was completely yellow. It was a bar like this, but every single thing was yellow, and um, women went in the back and turned tricks to get coke, and people did blow and played chess and. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, you were talking earlier what kind of decadence might have taken place yeah. in a place like this. I mean, like, I'm all for decadence. I'm all for debauchery, but that was that was, that was a bridge too far for me even. Yeah. You know, you see these models. Blow, chest. These, yeah, these models, these, like, model types going in the back of this yellow room and coming, you know, pulling up their, you know, missing a high heel and back out to, out to the cab. I thought it was... Pretty far down in the rabbit hole. Yeah. A, a lot of New York was like that back in the 70s, though. It was very... Yeah. 42nd Street. Yeah, Times Square. The, the, Linda Lovelace. Yeah, they used... Yeah, and they had live sex on stage. And someone... I heard someone say once, you know, I couldn't swear to it, but if, if there's an entrance to hell on earth, it's probably... Port Authority bus terminal. Yeah. Because the stuff you would see there was unimaginable. Yeah. And there were, at that time, 133 porn stores. Um, plus, these magnificent theaters were, were uh, porn houses, and some of which had live sex shows. Yeah. But there were 133 either videos or any kind of thing that um, when um, Disney wanted Times Square, they... Had to buy them, you know. They just bought everything. And then you think it was funny. That's the, the only way that that like, like theaters was the only place you could see porn. Yeah, it's bizarre now when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was in the I went to see the Lion King, which you know, it's a magnificent theater, man. I mean, it's incredible <laughs> theater. And I also had gone to see live sex on stage in that theater as well. I had seen. Um, um, double stuffed oriental, <laughs> you know, double sloughed Euro sluts. Same place. Yeah, different shift. Don't you, don't don't you think it's weird? I mean, do you like that it's completely cleaned up now? It's New York is basically like Disneyland now. You know what I mean? There's yeah. no, there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Times Square now has stores that every city has. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, if you like theater and you know BB King's, there's some great clubs there, but but you know Kodak and Hershey's and you know Nike and they have stores that every other town yeah. has now. Did you ever go to uh, CBGB's? I did. What do you think about that now? It's a boy clothing shop. John Barbados, isn't it now? What is it's in Barbados now? No, it didn't move to Barbados. It's clo is it closed, right? No, it's a it's John Barbados as as a cl clothing store there. Oh, John Barbados. I know it sounds a bit like Barbados, but it's a bit different. 
I don't know. It seemed like almost like a like a landmark, like a historical site that if you were going to tour New York City, that'd be something that would be on there. I mean, there was, the, I guess, the greatest artist in the world. And think about some of the music that came out of this neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seemed like you would have kept that, you know, very much like the, the Jeffrey Dahmer household. Yeah. Which was also burned down. Was it? Yeah. What a shame. <laughs> the greatest monster that ever lived. <laughs> and we don't know where he lived. Oh. Or where he came from. Is that Was that him? Yeah, that was him. That was a person. of him. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, I retired. Oh, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. You're fascinated by um, serial killers? Yeah, I used to be. I used to be, you know, having grown up feeling so powerless over so many things. And I used to be, I, I went through these phases. I went through serial killer, mafia, and then cowboys, particularly Wyatt Earp. And I went, the, these were people that I envisioned just didn't take off on of nobody. You didn't mess with these people, you know, because I felt like, you know, growing up that people could just do anything they wanted to to me at any time they wanted to, yeah. and they could. And the same was was true with, um, you know, back then, um, you know, child abuse wasn't illegal until 1965. <clears throat> so kids could come to school battered and bruised, <clears throat> and you couldn't say anything to the parents. And if you were a woman, same thing, you know, go around to these parties, go to church and everything. You'd go over to someone's house to have chicken afterwards and play cards or something on a Sunday afternoon. And the women would be bruised. Like, cause some guy could just like hit them anytime they hit them anytime they wanted. Same with the kids. So I don't have real fond memories about that. Yeah. Different times, different times. Yes, sir. Um, I used to get, I used to get a slap, a belt here and there. Yeah. Probably deserved though, because I was, I was a bit of a tear away when I was a, <laughs> Where are you now? a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most illegal thing you think you ever did or that you want to cop to? Most illegal thing I ever did. Oh man. I don't know. I had like, most of my stuff was juvenile. I had 14 different arrests as a juvenile. Yeah. And what was... Lot, well, go on. No, I just wonder what juvie hall was like. Well, I, I did... I was in two juvenile halls. One was a place called Banstead Hall that I got put away for a, a year and a half that was in the country that I actually enjoyed. Was it vi for violence or... No. Oh, it was for basically stealing cars. <laughs> and and this was the good, this was the good thing. Yeah. They'd let you, after like six months, they'd let you go home on the weekend. And I'd go home on the weekend and come back in a stolen car. <laughs> That's a good one. Is that in the bio? Um, it's, it's I, think, I think I did put it. I, I got a book out too. Yeah, yeah, great. Lonely yeah, Boy. It's a nice one. Just a nice, simple name. Lonely Boy. No swear words. I think we're going to knock it on the head soon. Okay. We're going to play one more song. Have you enjoyed yourself, people? <laughs> Daryl Hammond, I just want to say it one more time, saves the world. Daryl Hammond saved the world. Improv tomorrow at 7 p.m. And Monday, the improv at 10 p.m. It's a live podcast. 
Thanks for coming by, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. Thank it, you, guys. It was a pleasure. Next, next week, next week we got Ozzy Osbourne, the Prince of Darkness, and uh, we're going to go out with another um, uh, Valentino song. This is Jay Giles' "Love Stinks." See you later.